welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining today. I'm super excited to have the opportunity today to share a message that I think is going to be really encouraging to all of us from the Bible. We are in week number two of our Christmas series, Behold, the Savior Comes. And shout out to Isaac Taylor, who did such a beautiful job last week launching us into this series. So today we're going to continue the conversation. Um, If you just open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2, we're going to start reading right in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through verse 20. It says this, it says, During those days, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that the first census would be taken throughout his empire. Everyone had to travel to his or her own hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiancee, Mary, left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea to the village of Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth, And as the story goes, we all know, when they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough, since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. That night, in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified, but the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah, You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. While the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go and hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to to us. So they ran into the village and they found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that it's not just a story, it's not just tradition, God, but it's powerful, it's alive. It has the ability to change the very inner workings of who we are. So Father, today as we sit under your word, we pray that it would have a miracle power in our lives, God, that our eyes would be open to new revelations of you, new truth, in Jesus' name, 
Amen. As I was reading and reflecting on this portion of scripture, I was noting how the familiarity of this story really kind of downplays the peculiarities of it, right? We're so familiar, this is such a known story from the Bible, how Mary and Joseph journey to their hometown. Here they are packed into this village, they're not social distancing. There are no rooms available. In fact, the people are even staying, you know, in the in the in the uh, manger where the where the animals stay. They're in the barns, you know. Every guest house, every every guest room, every bed is filled. Every every space is is taken. And we see Mary and Joseph here. You know, they're hunkering down outside with the animals because there was no room. And 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 obviously, after riding a horse for that long, Mary, poor thing, she goes into labor. That's like a real thing, right? Right? For, for women uh, who have had babies before. You go for a walk, you ride a horse, something like that is sure to put you uh, into labor. So Mary goes into labor and she has her baby and she wraps him in, in what she has and lays him there uh, among the animals in the feeding trough. What a humble beginning. And But I was struck so much by this because here are all the people gathered to King David's uh, ancient home, the Bible says, about this little village of Bethlehem. And we know that for hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people had been praying and believing and hoping and waiting and anticipating and expecting the birth of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, the appearing of the Messiah. Yet, when he came, so, so many who were in that place missed him. I wonder why, and I began to ask myself why, and maybe today you can think about that for yourself. Why would this be? Could it be that Jesus didn't want to reveal himself to everyone that was there, just to the shepherds, or maybe just to a few? I don't believe that's true. So was it true of the, of the people that maybe they had an expectation of how God would come, or how the Messiah would appear to them, or how he would show up in their situation or their circumstance. Let's fast forward now to 2020, where we're sitting here in, in this moment. Is it possible that like the people of Jesus's day, we too have preconceived notions, preconceived ideas and expectations of how Jesus will come and show up in our current situation, how he will appear to us and, or, you know, maybe he's not meeting that. Maybe it's, you know, not, he's not coming on our timeline. He's not doing the who, what, how, when, and, you know, and so on in the details of our lives. So could it be that in the midst of all the crazy of 2020 that we are missing him? Today, you know, we know that we are kind of wrapping up this crazy, crazy, unprecedented year and I have to believe, even in the midst of all of the, of the chaos of 2020, that God delights in revealing himself to his people still. I believe that the word of God is true. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul said to a group, he stood in, in Acts chapter 17, he stood in front of a group of really educated, really accomplished religious leaders of the day in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. And he, he described God in this way. He describes God that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet 
He is actually not far from each one of us. So the idea that God is not far from each one of us, that God has created us to seek him, and that he wants to be found from by us, is something that's very, very true, very, very biblically sound. The book of Jeremiah, the prophet, speaks on behalf of God to us and says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Remember, I started it just a moment ago saying, is it possible that we too could miss the appearing of Jesus in the midst of the busy, chaotic season of life that we're in? And, and so today I want to talk to you um, about a few attributes of, of a seeker, of a true persistent seeker of Jesus. But before we dive into that, I want to talk to you about one of the biggest enemies of seeking God in a true and, and persistent way, and, and that is spiritual complacency. I realize everyone that you're tuning in today, and this is not exactly a warm, fuzzy Christmas message, this, uh, this part that I'm going to give you, but I've been praying for our church, and I've been believing for you as we kind of wrap up this year, this year that has kind of thrown so many unexpected things at us, and I want to tell you that I've been challenged in my own spirit for myself to guard against spiritual complacency. This idea of spiritual complacency is basically marked by self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. It's this idea that we become satisfied spiritually even though we're not uh, kind of intimate with Jesus every day, even though we're not spending time with him, even though we're not in his presence, even though we are not having him speak to our hearts like maybe once we did. But spiritual complacency settles in and allows us to be lazy, allows apathy to take hold and take root in our lives. And I want to encourage us today from the Bible not to allow during this holiday season as we wrap up 2020, no matter how you view this year, I know that there's been so many things that have gone on. There's been real loss and real pain and real heartbreak this year. I know in my family, I just this past Thursday had an, my uncle pass away and he is in heaven now, and he was born uh, with special needs, and he's one of my dad's six brothers, and he is just a sweetheart. He was an amazing man and, and loved him so much growing up. He always was a, a sweet uncle to us, but he was born with lots of special needs and lots of physical and mental health challenges, and um, like many people, um, he was living in a group home for people like him and like many, his home was closed and so his family couldn't visit him and my dad hasn't been able to visit him over the last year. And so my, my uncle went to be with Jesus this past week and he went to heaven without having seen any of his family, without having experienced the love of loved ones surrounding him in his final moments. And he did in fact die of COVID uh, where he was in upstate New York. and so. This was a, a really sad, deeply sad moment for our family because of course we would have loved to say goodbye and we rejoice in his graduation to heaven and him being reunited with my grandmother, of course, who was the love of his life. My grandmother and him were so close and of course he had so many challenges that my grandmother took care of him up until her last day. Why am I telling you this sad story? Because I believe that spiritual complacency can set in 
oftentimes when we have gone through times of deep disappointment, when we have had failed expectations, when we've had unanswered, seemingly unanswered prayers, when things happen in life that we don't understand why, and we can't see how this could possibly work into God's plan. Like you, my story with my uncle and the loss of that and the pain of that and the sadness of that that my family is even now still processing, sometimes I have to choose to file these details of my life, these things of my life, into a, a place where, you know what, I'm just not going to understand while I'm on this earth, I'm, I'm just not going to understand all the reasons why things happen the way they do, why we experience such pain and loss on this earth and, and how to get past that. But I'm not going to allow spiritual complacency to set in my heart. I'm not going to shrink back from seeking God, from following him, from trusting him, from fully engaging my faith just because my finite mind does not understand the ultimate working of an infinite God. I have to believe that God's plan and his purposes for our life go beyond what we can see in the now what we can understand in our momentary circumstances of life. I have to believe that in spite of all of the disappointments of this year, all of the things that we faced, that we do not have to settle into a place of spiritual complacency. The Bible recognizes this idea of spiritual complacency and calls it lukewarmness. In fact, the book of Revelation warns us um, as a church against this idea of lukewarmness. Warmness. In the book of Revelation 15 and 16, it says, um, it says this, it says, I know your deeds. And this is the, the Bible is addressing this, this church in this town called Laodicea. And he's talking to them and he's saying, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold, and that I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth and some of you are sitting right now at home or maybe you're tuning in you're like wow this is heavy this is heavy right at christmas i've been praying for you church and i've been believing god for you and i feel like this is almost a prophetic word for us as a church to shake us out of a spiritual apathy a spiritual complacency a spiritual laziness that we would not be content with walking through this holiday season lukewarm you know one of the things that i think has really affected us as a as a community even as a society and as a culture during this season of covid is just this whole um, idea of, of kind of almost feeling numb to the circumstances and situations around us. Because we don't see people, because we're in isolation, we're almost fatigued from being kind of, you know, changing up the plan constantly or not being able to plan. So there's almost a spiritual, like a numbness that comes over us. And I know for myself that can be true because, you know, we're just not interacting with people the way we normally do. Can I encourage you today as we go through the word together, as we listen to what the Bible has to say, that we shake ourselves out of a place of spiritual complacency, that we don't allow that to take root in our lives, but instead we become persistent seekers of Jesus in this season. I believe that the shepherds um, 
got to see Jesus because they were willing to find him however and wherever. And I believe that if we can seek Jesus's presence, if we can seek what his heart is in this season, that we will find him emerging, revealing himself, and in fact, coming through in ways that we were not expecting. I believe that this season, he wants to surprise us with his goodness, that he wants to surprise us with his love, with his peace, with his power. He wants to overwhelm us with his presence if we will seek him with all of our hearts. You know, the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 says this. It says, ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For every persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for and everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. You know, this idea of persistence is so important. The, the, the meaning of this word persistence, in case you don't already know, is continuing firmly or almost obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition, continuing to, ex to exist um, over and beyond a prolonged period of time. And this idea of existing and thriving over what is expected the lifespan to be. So as persistent seekers, you know what? Maybe you should be down and out according to what the world has to say. Maybe the circumstances of your life look bleak and you, you know, for all intents and purposes, you should be doubting God. But you know what? Awaken your soul today. Shake up your spirit today. Speak the word of God into your life and tell yourself, remind yourself that God is not done with you, that he has a plan and a purpose and he is working all things together for your good. And he has something ahead of you. The, uh, your best days are ahead of you, church. Do you believe that today? Your best days are ahead of you. So there's something about persistence, right, that is irresistible to God. And we see it here in the book of Matthew, this idea of continuing to knock, continuing to seek, continuing to ask. Yesterday, I was standing in the kitchen and I was scrubbing some pan or something. And Easton came up to me and he was asking me, you know, to buy him something. And of course, he kind of frames it very, very, uh, very cunningly. He's telling me how rare this thing is. Of course, it's a Fortnite thing. So it's not even something we can hold in our hands. It's a virtual candy cane pickaxe for his weapons on Fortnite. And he's telling me how rare it is and how limited edition it is. And if we don't act now, you know, we're not gonna be able to get this special piece of equipment that he needs so badly. And um, of course I said no. I was like, first I was like, no, that that's not happening. And then I was asking him how much it was. It's $14 for this piece of equipment that we will never hold in our hands. And I said, no, Easton, Christmas is coming, put it on your list. And he went back into how a limited edition, how it might not be available later if we don't get it today. It just came out and it's so new and it's so amazing. And the truth is, I was exhausted and he wouldn't leave me alone. So do you know what? 10 minutes later, I heard myself say, okay, fine, just go. <laughs> just go get it. Yeah, I know. This is not a parenting sermon. This is not advice that I'm giving you. This is not me telling you follow my advice as a parent. This is me encouraging you to be persistent because you know what? Persistence is irresistible by your loving God, by this loving mother. I could not 
resist my son because he would not give up. And he was to the point where he was just driving me crazy. And I was almost just ready to be like, give him anything. Just stop asking me about this ridiculous candy pickaxe, okay? So here's the thing about persistence. And this is what really God is telling us to be like. This is to keep coming, to keep coming to him, to keep coming to him. But here's the thing. Stop coming to him, asking him to just change the external uh, situation that you have. Often when God moves in our lives, he changes us internally. Allow his word to take root in your heart as you seek after his presence, as you seek after his face, as you seek after his, his heart. Allow the presence of Jesus to expand your capacity to love him, to love people, to love others. I want to talk to you about really quick four attributes of a persistent seeker that will help you to battle spiritual complacency. The first one is we come to God with humility. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Another verse that's great is James 4, 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But we must come with humility. We must continue to seek God in humility. I believe that when Jesus came to, you know, was born in Bethlehem that night, there was so much going on in the city, right? There are lots of hustle, lots of bustle. Similar to our current Christmas season, there's lots going on. People are overwhelmed with the tasks at hand, whether it's working from home and social distancing and social, or excuse me, distance learning. There's so much that we're handling, so many different kinds of things that we're handling that we can feel that sense of overwhelm. Let's not miss God. Let's not have such a high expectation of exactly how he's going to come that we miss him when he does come. Let's approach him with humility in our hearts and allow him to do what he wants to do in us. Humility is simply an awareness of God. It takes over our sense of self-awareness. Do you ever meet someone who's so self-aware that it's awkward? I think sometimes we need to be reminded that, you know what, the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. God desires to meet you if you will seek him in humility and allow him to move in your life on his terms, allow him to his will to be done more than what you desire in your timing and on your terms. The second thing of a persistent seeker is a God dependence. Let's be a people who are dependent on him this holiday season, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, I, I say this one a lot. It's one of my very favorite uh, anchor verses in life. Trust in the Lord completely, it says, and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you into every decision that you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Isn't that powerful? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and stop relying on your own opinions. You know, one of the things I love about our Washington DC crew, right? Our DMV crew is that we're very opinionated, aren't we? We all have lots of opinions, but it's important. And those are good. I'm not saying those aren't good, but you know what? It's important that we don't trust our own opinion, but that we trust the voice of God. We listen to what his word has to say. The truth of his word will be our anchor and it will guide us on a steady 
pathway through life. No matter how big the storm, no matter how big the waves, no matter how much I feel like I'm rocking back and forth and out of control, hello 2020, trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own opinions. Be a persistent seeker. Continue to be a God-dependent, persistent seeker of Jesus. The third thing about a persistent seeker is that we have kingdom values. How do we battle spiritual complacency? We seek God. We seek him with humility. We seek him with God dependence and with God, God's kingdom values. This is number three. First John 2, 15 through 17 is powerful. It says this, don't set the affections of your, of your heart on this world or in loving, excuse me, in loving the things of this world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. Isn't that amazing? For all the world can offer us the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance. That's what the world offers. None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. Can I encourage you? God created us to live in this world, but not to be of it. That's the difference. He wants us to be influencers. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to have relationships, to live in this world, enjoy all of its beauty and all of its wonder. But if we allow the values of the kingdom of this world to overcome our own kingdom values, we easily slip into a complacency where we feel spiritually satisfied outside of the presence of God. We begin to take on the value system of the world and, and all of the things that were listed in these scriptures. God wants us to be persistent seekers who maintain kingdom values over anything else. We don't allow our vision to be cast to the left or to the right, but we set our eyes on him and we understand who we are and whose we are and where we're going. We are passing through this world. Come on, church. We are passing through. We are here for a short time. And how we live this life will determine how we live for eternity. This life is but a drop in the bucket, right? But a whisper in the wind, the Bible says. We have our eyes set on eternity, our focus set on God as perseverant and persistent seekers of Jesus this holiday season. We are shaking ourselves out of spiritual complacency and not allowing ourselves to uh, fall back into apathy because we're seeking him and his values with all of our hearts. The last characteristic that I have for you is we crave intimacy with Jesus. As persistent seekers, we crave intimacy with Jesus and his power in our lives. There is a very poignant warning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, that describes a kind of people that will exist in the last days. And it says this, it says that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of their relationship with Jesus having and, and 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 Paul is writing this letter to Timothy and he urges him he says have nothing to do with this kind of people there's another interpretation um, in the passion translation and I love it I'm gonna read it to you here it says they um, they may pretend people may pretend to have respect for God but in reality they want nothing to do with God's power why is that because you know what church to stay spiritually sharp to be persistent seekers we have to allow the power of God to shape us to change us to mold us and that takes 
humility, right? That takes us humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord to allow Him to have His way in our lives. Can I encourage you to spend time in His presence, to seek Him with all of your heart. As we close today, as we reflect on um, just the, the tw in 2020, how we're going to close out the year, how we're going to seek God as we anticipate the Christmas day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus and the significance of that in our own lives. Let me just encourage you with a couple of scriptures from the book of Psalms. Psalm 42 1 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants after you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God. The psalmist writes here, he's hungry for the, for the presence of God. He's passionate for the will of God. He's, he's, he's urging himself to, to press in, to seek God, to be in his presence. Can I encourage you even now as we close in prayer to have this attitude and maybe you feel like that apathy is there. Or maybe you feel like that complacency is there. I wanna ask us in this moment to close our eyes together. I'm gonna to pray with all of us in this moment as we respond to to god and and the word that's come forward this this day you know we need more of jesus in our lives we need to understand like so much has changed how we consume church how we relate to other people how we're encouraged even in the context of community has changed this year i want to encourage you to shake yourself out of any spiritual uh, complacency that's set into your heart don't allow it to continue through the holiday season believe god and trust him even though you don't see around you what you want to see, trust him and believe him because he has so much more for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for every person that's tuning in. God, I thank you for open hearts. God, I thank you for hungry hearts. God, I thank you for persistent seekers. Father, I pray that you would make us more like you today. God, that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us by the power of your word, by the power of your voice, in the beauty of your presence. Father, we would be changed. God, even in this moment, as we just take a second to respond to what you're saying, Lord God, I pray that we would not just be obedient in this moment, but we would take this into tomorrow, into the next day, into the next day, into our every day, that we would respond to you with sincerity and persistence and continue to seek your face. If you're with us today and you've never prayed a prayer of salvation and you say, you know, Heather, I would love to know more about this, we would love to connect with you, but I wanna pray with you as a beginning, as a beginning point for you today. If you would bow your head and repeat after me this prayer of dedication of your life to Jesus, dear Jesus, I accept you as my savior. Be my Lord. Be number one in my life. Wash me clean. Make my heart new. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.